Hey everyone, my name is Caleb. And I'm Ben, and you are listening to Tribal Talk, a survivor podcast. If it isn't Mr. Yokel himself, Mr. Ben Chambers, the yokel. If you look up yokel in the dictionary, you'll find a yokel is an unsophisticated, uneducated person that grew up on a countryside. And Ben, I have it on good authority (laughs) that you grew up on a countryside because you clearly do not know the nutritional benefits of peanut butter that powered my boy Tyson to sweet, sweet victory this week. And as I was watching his sweet, sweet victory, I knew, wow, Ben must just feel like the biggest yokel on earth right now. Caleb, did you read that? <laughs> no, that it was 100% improvised. I'm not even kidding. That was 100% oh, improvised. That is impressive. Uh, so... Here's the thing, uh, Caleb. It's a good thing that I like desserts because I I am eating. You got your just desserts, <laughs> uh, stem and all. So, um, for those of you like me who um, aren't aware, I went ahead and brought in a uh, a jar of peanut butter so that I could educate myself and the fellow public slash survivor fans on. The actual nutritional benefits of peanut butter. Here we go. Calories, uh, in a, and this is for a USDA-approved two-tablespoon serving size. It's 32 grams of peanut butter. You got calories. Okay, you got 190 of them. You got some fat in there. There's 16 grams of fat. Uh, there's 140 milligrams of sodium, 8 grams of carbohydrates, 2 grams of fiber, 3 grams of sugar, and 7. Count them, 7 grams of protein uh tyson obviously could have told me this without me having to look it up yeah i'm sure tyson knew that whole label yeah and more importantly his his tummy knew it so tyson proves to be uh the victor on edge of extinction gets back in the game and uh he doesn't look like the doofus that i um, that I painted him initially. Yeah, I thought we would just start by talking about the Edge of Extinction return challenge as a whole. You know, what are your overall thoughts on it? Did anyone surprise you? Did you like the style of challenge that it was? Just give me give me all your thoughts, of course, and include any apologies to Tyson that you feel you may need to discuss. Look, I got to turn over a new leaf. I feel like I've been really, really negative and critical in my analysis of survivors in past episodes. And I will say this too. I mean, I've tried to change in the past. I've said things like, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. This time I mean it, right? I'm, I am going to be more empathetic and I am going to try to be more understanding and less critical um, after I say this. So the fire token choices, <laughs> absolutely bizarre. Dude, right? okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was absolutely shocked. bizarre. Um, Boss and Rob should be ashamed of himself. But even more than that, in my opinion, Natalie mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. had absolutely no excuse for not using every single one of those tokens that she earned and getting back in the game. I get the temptation 
you're if you get back into the game you're going to be on your own and you're going to start out probably with a target on your back we've had survivors make it from the edge of extinction back into the game and then immediately get sent back out i get the temptation you're going to start out on your own without any real solid alliance like it's it's a very real fear and i get that you worked hard for those tokens if you're Particularly if you're Boss and Rob or Parvati, in my mind, you're mm -hmm. probably going to need an idol right off because nobody's going to feel bad about sending Boss and Rob right back mm -hmm. to the edge of extinction. Sure. He's public enemy number one. However, Natalie, she has been on the... She hasn't even played. Yeah. She's been in yeah. one tribal council. She doesn't know what it's like to be in the season practically. Mm -hmm. And here she gets a chance to use those tokens that she she worked so hard for. What makes her think that they're going to send her right back after being on the edge of extinction since day three? I totally agree. I, I can understand Boston Rob's move. And he came close to winning. Natalie did not come close to winning. She should have used all of those advantages. I, I don't I don't think she has it. I don't think she's going to get back into the game at this point. I think it's totally inexcusable. I Even with Boston Rob, I can see what you're saying. Like That is a valid argument because he very well may need that immunity idol to make it through at least that first vote until he can maybe right. find some friends or some allies. I can see the logic behind it. I still disagree with it because there's only two opportunities for these edge players to get back in. One of them is gone. So now you've spent all four of your and your wife's fire tokens, and you're not back in the game. That's a right. sunk cost now. That idol might be useful if you do manage to win the second one, but when that second challenge comes around, the number of Edge of Extinction players is going to be basically twice what it is now, and yeah. it's going to be way later in the game. So even if you do manage to make it back in, sure, you have an idol. That's great and all, but you have such a short amount of time to build a resume. And we've seen that player come in that late before and win. But it, it took a perfect game. It took yeah. an absolutely perfect game. Basically taking every single risk that he could every single time and having it go his way allowed him to win the game. And yeah. here's another thing. I don't know if players in this season are going to respect it that much. While we are on the topic of all these fire tokens and anything, something that the Survivor Twitter and Redditverse has been discussing that I did not think about, so I have to give them that shout out, is that in this season, the incentives as an Edge of Extinction player are actually set up so that if you go to the Edge of Extinction later, in this case, Yule, you have fewer opportunities to get those fire tokens for those advantages. So in a way, Yule was kind of screwed because he went so late that he didn't have a single opportunity to get a single fire token and therefore didn't have an advantage. Whereas everyone else had many, many more. And in the case of Natalie, she was basically able to get a couple fire tokens underneath her belt before really any one of any prominence showed up on the edge of extinction while it was just her danny amber and ethan she was able to get i think three right during that span of time and then boss right. and rob got three in one fell swoop yule had nothing would the challenge have turned out differently if they were all given an opportunity to get one who knows but it's set up in a way that it basically punishes players that go to the edge of extinction later the people who are there right now are going to be set up better than the person who goes out right, right before the second return challenge. Right. I actually, I had that thought um, when I was rewatching today and mm -hmm. I was watching Yule digging the, the, the ropes out and I was thinking, man, he didn't even have a chance at a fire token. And then I thought, wait a second, these people on the edge of extinction have been hiking a mountain every day for a handful of rice. We've been hearing about that. These people are weak. Sure. 
Yeah, and that's fair. Survivor is all about balance. The production does the best that they can to provide everyone with a with a decent shot to win the game. And I think that they've done a, a pretty good job with this with this token of leveling out the the weakness versus the opportunities to get advantages to kind of level things out. I think I think it was a pretty level playing field all in all. Well, hey, look, I mean, it was fairly even because at the end of the day, you had seven out of those eight players. They were all working on that sling, except for Amber. But seven out of the eight were in it, even though they didn't have advantages. They were in it. So were Tyson and Rob ahead of them? Sure. But there were other players that had advantages, like Natalie, who apparently weren't really ever in it. Speaking of people who uh, weren't in it, um, Amber. Amber is there not to win. She is there to help Rob all the way through the game. And it was no more evident than in preparation for the return challenge where Amber is, you know, telling Rob, you know, you got this, go get it. And he goes, I know. <laughs> he's like, he's like, she's like, she's like strapping him up and like, here, have my tokens like here. Rob, you're so handsome. He's like, I know, babe. I know, babe. Quit <laughs> talking about it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, and I get it uh, on one hand. I respect it because she realizes that she's not the 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 strategical yeah. genius and she's not the physical threat that Rob is mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she wants that 2 million dollars and she would get it and if she stays on the edge of extinction till the end she's a banked jury vote for Boston Rob had he made it in and made it to the end so sure. there's a lot of advantages to them putting all of their eggs in one basket cuz they can't both win here's one last thought and this goes back to the advantage choice i would just like to point out how rob being so close to beating tyson being that close, if I mean, we do know that production will add in, you know, filler film essentially to kind of tell the story more effectively, right? So when they showed sure. the two balls going up to the punched hole, do we really know if that was actually how it happened? Maybe not, but we did hear Jeff say the words, Rob and Tyson are neck and neck on the final leg of this, right? So we know they were both in it. Had Rob bought one more advantage? Could that have bought him the extra 15 or 20 seconds that he needed to win? I think it could have. And yeah. Rob could be back in this season. And I've discussed this lots of times. I love Tyson, but I'll be honest. I was rooting for Boston Rob in this challenge. He's the yeah. one I wanted to come back in. He's way more interesting in actuality than Tyson is. Tyson is a consolation prize. For me. <laughs> if it's not going to be Boston Rob, Tyson sounds good. <laughs> well, it's true. It's absolutely true. And again, it's better than nothing. It's better than if it was like Danny or something. I would be livid, <laughs> livid. Couldn't uh, happen. Yeah, it would have been terrible. I could have been. I could have lived with quite a few people. Tyson's high up on there for me, so so yeah. I was glad it was him. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't think uh, the challenge being that close was uh, was a production stunt. I mean, you saw the reaction on the jury's face. That, you know, they're all like holding their mouths, like it's so close. Everybody's standing up. Uh, that was that was one of the closest challenges we've ever had in Survivor. Yeah, and it was it was awesome it was a great it was a great challenge in my opinion another thing that i was thinking while i was watching this is the producers in the last several seasons but this season especially have really taken a step up on the music that all goes along with the edge of extinction dude like you hear jeff say it's tyson and rob competing head to head and you hear that music it's like electric guitar it's like and my chest is just like (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, 
what's going to happen? And I'm so into it, right? And it is excellent. It's way better than before. You better be running. Yeah. <laughs> it's excellent, man. Like, there used to be this stuff that could have been so hyped, but they would just be like, oh, surprise, all these people are coming back. And everyone's like, oh, huh, okay. Well, and, you know, and the music doesn't really do anything. And now it's like, uh, you best respect this crazy twist we're doing in the game. Did you know that that uh, You Better Be Running, that lyric and that little tune, Jeff Probst actually wrote that. Oh, really? How yeah. did you find that out? Yeah, he actually did an interview on it. Uh, before the, the season started airing, he had a little, um, a little Q&A kind of session um, with with some of the other Survivor contestants, and they were able to answer some some fan questions. And during that um, that powwow, he kind of told told people he was kind of bragging on like his job. Basically, he was like, "I have the best job in the world." I came up with that little jingle. I sang it and saved it on my phone. Sent it to my son, and I think his son does something in music. That's super cool. Uh, like the next day or some ridiculously short time later, um, he he had received a full production version of it. And he was like, my job is so awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. super cool. It's great that Jeff gets to, to do stuff like that now. I think at the beginning, he was just kind of a host. And now he's definitely heavily involved in all of the levels of production. So moving on finally from that <laughs> edge of extinction to the kind of new edge of extinction, which was the desolate, rainy wasteland that all of these players found themselves in this week. It's been a couple of seasons since we've seen the players really suffer through a storm, and this one looked like it was just a torrential downpour for a good day or two. Yeah, I think the the highlight of it for me was was Adam and his comment. <laughs> you, you mentioned it's been a couple seasons. It was Adam's season. Yeah. Uh, when that when that freaking typhoon came through and they had to pause production and move everyone to an offsite location where they'd be safe i mean it rained every single day for like for like how many how many consecutive days it was insane i want to say it was like two weeks or something like it just rained they couldn't like they couldn't hardly take it at all i totally agree i thought that was a highlight because it looked like pretty much everyone else was just like oh it's raining i guess we should just stand around our <laughs> fire with a terrible shelter and just let the rain drip off of our noses and our hats which i'll be the first to say i'm not a huge fan of cowboy hats but Ben Dreebergen looked like they were by far the best equipped to deal with this rain because they didn't have to deal with it just going on their faces the entire time. You know, Ben Dreebergen had that big old hat. And if you watch, you could literally see a constant stream of water yeah. pour off of the end of his hat. Oh, it was really raining. I think I think the, the production and the editing doesn't give it credit. Did you see the cost of a tarp? Did you see what that was? Five fire tokens. Five. Five. That oh was a lot. Gosh. Man. I think it would take a couple of days of rain. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets bad enough now that we have a steady stream of those coming in through the individual immunity challenges. If the players decide, all right, you know what? Let's all put one in. So speaking of immunity challenges, unless you have anything else to add on the story. Oh, no, let's go. Yeah. So on the immunity challenge, I thought this one was a classic. I think this is one of the best challenges that Survivor has. It's pretty Agreed. much the polar opposite of the Edge of Extinction Return Challenge. It's not an obstacle course. It's not untying knots. It's not doing a, a complex puzzle. It's just like, hey, hold on here. Show us what you got. I love it. This is probably my favorite all-time challenge when it comes to the merge, uh, 
and everyone's individual. I The earlier they do it and the more often they do it, the better for me because you get to see the grit and the ter- determination and the sheer force of will that propels these players. We saw a little bit of that. You know, it looked like a lot of people were physically just not all there. Like Ben Dreebergen said, he was like, this is going to go quick. And he was totally right. I mean, we've seen seasons where this challenge will go on for hours and production didn't put in anything for us like one hour or two hours or 30 minutes. They didn't put anything in like that. So I don't think this took very long. You know why? Because Ozzy wasn't in the season. Controversially, Ozzy wasn't in the season. Yeah, the non-winning <laughs> Ozzy. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's dig a little deeper here. I think um, what happened in this challenge is a lot of Survivor players are not Survivor fans in that they don't know the technique for this challenge. What do you think the proper technique is? No, there is a proper technique. You interlock your arms and your legs. Right, and you just push through the pain. And everyone looks like they're on. They're like a frog you know trying to sit on the crack and it's like guys this is not how this works you literally can't do that you can't put your toes in the cracks that's not what they're for they're for a little bit of friction so that you can you can get your arms into those cracks and your legs into those cracks and you squeeze your legs and your arms together and and you hug it denise did it correctly denise also won and jeremy did it correctly for a good portion of the time But you're right, Denise did it perfectly. And she's also built for this type of challenge. I mean, she's the smallest and the lightest, so that's obviously... She's strong, dude. She's strong. Another thing that I could not stop thinking about while watching this challenge is, my goodness, these Survivor players' feet are (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) Nick, my man, get a pedicure. Call me up, man. I'll take you. I'll pay for it. I'll get you like a $25 pedicure at a nice place. When all this COVID-19 stuff is blown over and all of them are back open, just call me up. I mean it because I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to say Nick didn't win the million, so maybe he needs me to pay for the pedicure. And he could really use one. Jeremy's feet didn't look much better, but man, those feet were gross. Which, (laughs) in their defense, sitting in the rain for like 24 hours and letting your feet get all sandy and pruney doesn't really help anyone's feet look any No, and you have to realize, too, these people are coming from uh, the, the, the civvies, right? These these people are used to dressing up their feet in nice cushioned socks and and shoes. Not like us, Caleb. Hey, hey, I feel like I can critique other people's feet because I have hobbit feet. All right. I have hobbit feet. That's what <laughs> he, they does. Are. So, he does. So, you know, listeners. I can I can critique Nick's feet because I have nasty feet, too. We talked about alliances last last mm-hmm, week mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of talked about threesome and a twosome. And then the rest is just kind of muddled. What do you think now after watching the merge? Obviously, we knew things were going to shake up a little bit. What do you think we're looking at in terms of strongest alliances? Where are those alliances that we talked about last week? A lot of things definitely did get shuffled up this week. The alliance that I really like the most is probably the big boys alliance, which is what Sophie called it. They called it the big threats alliance. But if you listen to who's in it, there's one of these things that is not like the other. There's yeah. Tyson, Tony, and Jeremy, and then Ben Dreebergen. And I thought it was so funny. Ben's like, yeah, man, we got to keep all of us big threats together. All of us big <laughs> one threats. One of these things is like, <laughs> like the other. That's right. And Sophie was right. She was like, it's the big boys alliance, which is far, far more accurate. So I really like seeing that uh, happen. But I do think the best alliance is still probably Jeremy and Denise and Kim 
right off the bat, they had two out of their three members immune because of those immunity necklaces. That's such a strong position to play from. And then Kim also had the immunity idol. And clearly, they have a lot of good open communication. The fact that Jeremy was able to go to Denise and say, hey, we're looking at voting off Adam. How do you feel about that? And Denise was able to respond with what she genuinely thought and say, you know, I don't love it. I would be the one affected by that. But you know what? I can roll with it for the good of the tribe if that's where we choose to go. And they're not torn apart by that. There's a lot of people who would say, oh, you're coming after my number one? Screw you. We're done. And that didn't happen. So they seem really, really tight. Hold what do you up, think? Caleb. Not so fast. I think uh, I think you're forgetting something. You're forgetting an entire whole thread, um, which was Jeremy and Wendell. Jeremy was going to sell off every single one of his alliance members to be Wendell's number one. His whole plan was to take out Wendell's number one, Nick. And uh, and then replace him. He, he's he's not he is not ride or die with Denise or Kim. Hey man, look, he voted Wendell off at the end of the day. I so mean, you can say he's not ride or die with Denise. That's fine, but he's clearly not ride or die with Wendell. Look at the confessional, though. Look at the confessional. Oh, I know he didn't love it. I know he didn't like it, but he did it. He did it because at the end of the day, he valued his alliance with Kim and Denise and the rest of the tribe more than he valued Wendell's fire tokens. I don't, I know. I, I think that, uh, I think that Jeremy is just as likely to join a completely different group besides Denise and Kim the moment he feels like it, it, it works for him. In my mind, an alliance, not, not a voting block, an alliance is ride or die. And in my mind, there's really only one of those left in this game. And it's my girls, Sophie and Sarah. And you want to talk about two steady, sneaky, stealthy, athletic chicks that got a a finger on the pulse of this game. It's Sarah and Sophie. Mm -hmm. And there's no bickering. There's no backbiting. They're solid. They're set. They know what they're doing. And nobody's really paying a lot of attention to them. Like, where there was, like, almost no attention. There was one comment. Wendell was like, Sophie is playing this game, (laughs) but I'm cool with her. (laughs) But you know. And then her name was not brought up again. But you know what Sophie didn't do that Denise did? Sophie didn't sit there when everybody's eating and regale the and brag about the move that she made sophie is smarter than denise and that's why the target wasn't on sophie and that's why i don't think it will be for a while and in the meantime sarah is seen as someone who's kind of out on her own but she's not she not and uh, she knows what she's doing so i i think that's in my opinion that's the best alliance right now and i know it's not much of an alliance it's only two people no hey i agree i agree that's definitely one way of looking at it and i think that is valid because they do seem to be Again, with two people, definitely the tightest two. They're both so- socially functional, right? They're not Benjry Bergen, literally. <laughs> or Nick. Telling everyone the plans. Nick or Wendell. Oh my gosh, Wendell. There were two funny parts. No, there were a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of funny moments. I love that I mean, Adam hates everything about Ben Dreberger. He doesn't like a single thing about him. If we gave him a pen and paper and said, hey, Adam, can you write down some redeeming qualities about our boy, Ben Dreberger, your best friend on this island, the guy you've been with since day one, what are some of his redeeming qualities? And he would sit there and he'd chew on that pencil until it was gone, trying to think of something to write down. Dude, dude, that that scene where he where he mimicked Ben and he just he was so at the end, like he was so frustrated, and Ben just got on his very last nerve 
And Adam's like, why are you frustrated? Yeah, like, why are why? you the one upset? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's talking about you. And he had a great point. Then the other, the other hilarious part was the way the edit <laughs> treated Nick when Nick was was butting into everyone's conversation. He was like sauntering up out of the woods. He was like, "Hey guys, what's over up? and over and over and over again." Oh, dude, I don't know how they create those moments, but it was literally oh, they're real. That's what I think. I think that's real, and I think that's probably what Nick does in real life. I guess he just rolls up to the people at his law firm and is like, uh, "Hey guys, uh, what are we doing today? What are we talking about? What do you got to eat there? Are, you guys aren't gonna vote me off, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it was great i died laughing all right the next thing that i want to talk about was who made the best move and i would love to go first here if that's cool with you go for it so i think that we had a really great dichotomy this week in how to drive the the survivor car so to speak and I think the person who made the best move is who we were just talking about, and it's Sophie. And it's really, really, really subtle, but that's why I think it's so good. So Sophie, like you were talking about, has such a great handle on the game. We basically were shown, hey, there's a new quote-unquote big threats alliance slash big boys alliance. And Sophie was like, I know that these four players, Tyson, Tony, Ben Dreebergen, and Jeremy are all working together. And I think they're targeting hmm, Wendell or Nick. And she knew this instinctively. Perfect. She has a great handle on what's going on. So then, even though she has great knowledge of what's going on, she lets the game come to her. She is the epitome of doing what Jeremy was saying he wanted to do. Jeremy said, I want to drive, but I don't want anyone to know that I'm driving. Sophie's actually doing it. So yep. what she did is she let the game come to her. She's talking with Ben Dreebergen, and I think it was Adam. I don't remember who the third person was. And they're discussing who the name is for the week. And Ben Dreebergen says, oh, yeah, you know, people are thinking Wendell or Nick. And then she just says, you know what, I'm just going to put my hand on this wheel, and I'm just going to tug it my way. I would prefer Wendell. She doesn't try to turn the entire thing around. She just says, yeah. you know what? If that's where the people are going, I'm going to steer it away that benefits me more. Because yeah. like you said, Wendell and Jeremy were tight. And she knew that. And she said, I want to indirectly weaken that alliance of the big boys. And I'm going to do that by targeting Wendell over Nick. And she pulls that wheel her way. So she's the one actually steering, but no one realizes it. And to my knowledge, I rewatched the episode trying to figure out who's the first person that actually said, let's go for Wendell, and it was Sophie. She yes. is playing a masterful game, and no one is really looking at her yet. I think the target will move to her. People know that she's playing, but so far, they're content to let her do it. Yeah, and here's the next level part of that move, and you, you already talked about it, but recognizing that Wendell is the bigger threat over Jeremy, because what you want to do when you break up an alliance, you want to pick the person that's in between the other members. You want to get the person that is bringing the members of the alliance together. So Jeremy hmm. isn't tight with Nick, but Jeremy's right. tight with Wendell, and Wendell's tight with Nick. All all the, the roads in that alliance lead to Wendell. So she knew that, she recognized that, and she's like, I want Jeremy and Nick to be free agents. And so the move is to get out Wendell, and she recognized that. And she subtly steered that boat. Oh, dude, no, that was fantastic. And yeah. you know, I was thinking about it, right? I was thinking, I always try to think of like, okay, what are some really good moves? 
And I, there really weren't a lot of mm-hmm. great moves. There were some blunders. Well, it's because people are afraid, I think, to be like what Jeremy was saying, to be obviously the one driving. No one wants to be that guy. So they're all trying to take a backseat, but not all of them are really good at it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm looking for like the big, you know, Denise moment where you dethrone yeah. the queen. I'm looking for those subtle moments. And they're really, in my opinion, on the island right now, there's nobody on Sophie's level. I think Sophie's got this thing on lock. I think Sarah Sarah is doing a good job too, but she she is she is keyed in. She's clued in. I don't want to go on too long. I think she should win the 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 season. Um, just from the body of work so far, I think she deserves to win. If I had to pick a best move aside from that, it was probably Denise on the poll when she realized that if she didn't win, she would be voted off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the worst move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this one's gonna be hard. I. I'll go first. I, sure. I have a lot to talk about. I'll I'll just choose a couple. I think because this could go on for a long time. I think I want to first talk about the two big mouth moments this episode, which okay. big mouth award always for the episode always goes to Benjamin Bergen first. <laughs> you know, going over to Jeremy and being like the vote is Wendell. The, the first moment that he could, he goes straight to Jeremy and tells Jeremy that his, his best friend, arguably, on the island is going home, even though he wanted it to happen. He wanted Wendell to be the vote off. And yet he wanted he wanted Jeremy to be in on it, too. I think Ben has the wrong idea with with this season. He thinks that someone who keeps everyone in the loop is going to win this game, but it's not. Mm. It's it's going to be the person who's steering. And he wasn't steering. He was just an informant. He was just basically a rat going around doing what what he does, which is tell everyone everything. That's his like that's his autopilot maneuver so big mouth big mouth award goes <laughs> to ben it is shared actually by by two players um this episode though it's ben okay. and it's also denise hmm. for the reason that i that i brought up before where she spends 10 minutes telling people not just that she voted sandra out but also that she has fire tokens and yeah. which which people may not have known and then she she regales it like she's at final tribal and she just shows her hand she lost sight of the game i'll promise you this it's not a good time to be known as the queen slayer until final tribal you don't want that <laughs> nickname put on you until the end because like sophie said everyone i think all their ears perked up and said hmm that sounds like a compelling thing and wendell even said it he said <laughs> i'm trying to get out the people who are playing a winner's game and basically, he had identified what Denise had done there is played a winner's game. Therefore, let's get her gone. Big, actually, a good move by Wendell. Yep. Clearly not good enough. No, and he said it right. You know, the, the resume building people, I think, at the end of the day are the people that people are most afraid of. So my worst move of the week actually goes to Jeremy. And it's because he tried to do what Sophie did, but he did it terribly. So his bad move was his endless posturing to try to save Wendell. So like you just brought up, Ben Drebergen goes up to him and says, hey man, everyone's on board, the vote is Wendell. And then Jeremy basically expresses, I don't want that, I want it to be Nick. And then he says, it's not gonna be Nick, man, it's gonna be Wendell. He said, well, maybe Adam. And then Ben Drebergen says, okay, maybe Adam would work, but it's yeah. gonna take a lot of work. Those words come out of Ben Drebergen's mouth. And then Jeremy spends the rest of the time from then until tribal using all of his social capital. Oh, this is, yes. 
Yeah, so he goes yes. overtly to every single person and says, I want it to be Adam, I want it to be Adam, I want it to be Adam. So much so that Adam knew that Jeremy was targeting him. And I bet you that Nick also found out that Jeremy was going for him. So now two people know that Jeremy was going for him and Jeremy has nothing to show for it. Now, did Jeremy play from an emboldened place because he was immune this week? I'm sure that influenced his decision. Jeremy's a smart guy. He probably wouldn't have been so bold about it if he wasn't safe. However, he didn't just try to like lean on the steering wheel to put it his way to kind of steer where they were going. He just basically shoved everyone else out and tried to drive. Yeah. And then everyone else said, no, Jeremy, get in the back seat or in charge this week. So exactly. he was really rebuked and so much so that he went along with the vote. So the only people who were left out were Nick and Michelle. So I think the worst move of the week goes to Jeremy because I think he may have hurt some future relationships that he may need. Oh, he has nothing dude. to show for it. And he showed that he's not quite as smart as he needs to be to win this game. Caleb, that is that is quite the observation. That is fantastic. You're, boom, boom, you're 100% right. Bringing used, in the the cutthroat analysis. He used he used all of his capital in the game. He used all of his power way too early, and it wasn't enough. So now, not only does he ha- not have that power anymore, but he's exposed himself as someone who is ultimately a weak player. And the problem is in this game, and when it comes down to final tribal whoever he's sitting next to if they're smart they're gonna bring this up yeah and i think that's why he's the one who brought up the driving analogy and it really is really really good but he tried to turn the car around and it's just not gonna work when you have this many people still in the game there's 12 people on this tribe you're not gonna be able to turn 12 people around if you wanted to have that influence you should have been more influential when names were getting put out there in the first place you should have worked a little harder before the vote was set and it sounds like the vote was set and it was set and he went and talked with everyone and everyone heard him out and everyone was nice to him but no one changed their votes oh man so on the subject of vote outs let's go on the record man let's go on the record right now who do you think is going to be the vote out next week in episode nine if you can believe it or not yeah wow how fast has this season gone do you think this season is going to be 13 episodes or do you think it'll be 14 or 15 i think it'll be 13 i think it tends to be that the last really the last two episodes are super sped up right you'll you'll usually have six or seven players left before the last two episodes and then all of a sudden you're down to final tribal but you know when when we're doing this right when we're doing these predictions it's a lot harder um once you get to the merge because um the lines are still blurry i think it really is anyone's to lose i think the people on the outside kind of looking in at this point you got jeremy who doesn't look like a threat honestly at this point um but he is he is someone who's going to be kind of bitter um and then you got tyson who is is no, a lot of people don't like and a lot of people want to see him gone I don't think it's going to be either of them, though. I think that barring immunity challenge win, we're looking at probably Denise um, as the next vote out. Unless she can make something happen to defend herself. I think that she is the one with both a resume and also a weak alliance. And those two things spell trouble. But ultimately, I think it's whoever sits on that makeshift porch swing of Wendell's that that is going to go because every single survivor that's been voted out so far has sat on that swing. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Actually, I think it was uh, Abby Maria that 
tweeted that out uh, just the other day. She's just like, don't sit on that swing. <laughs> Whatever you do, <laughs> just stay off the swing. It's cursed. That's great. That's so funny. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. So if this was Survivor Africa season three or some very, very early season of Survivor, I would say that it was Michelle or Nick, right? They were the ones left out of the vote. They are probably not that likely to win individual immunity. The Survivor history tells us that it's one of them, but of course, it's never that simple. It just never, ever is, especially in a season of all winners. So I was thinking through who is most threatening to these people, and like we were talking about earlier, the people who are most threatening are the people who are playing a winner's game. Who are the people building that resume? And I came to the same conclusion that you did. I think it's going to be Denise. When you're known as the Queen Slayer on day one of the merge, that is a bad, bad place to be. She should have swallowed her pride and saved that story for a later day. I get it. It's a super cool story and you're all talking. So why wouldn't you? And she, I think, is also coming from a place of slight insecurity because I think she feels like she's looked at as a backseat player and she wants everyone to know that she's not. She's someone who's playing this game just like everyone else and she wants some respect. But let me tell you this. I think she wants that two million a lot more than she wants that respect. And I think she should have remembered that during that lunch and yep. and just not discussed it. So I think it's going to be Denise. But like you've said, and like I've said, anything's possible. 11 people left in this game is a lot. They yeah. could just decide to target the big boys alliance. And then one of those guys could go. Who knows what's going to happen? And next week, there's only going to be one immunity necklace. But yeah, on the record, Denise. There, are, Yeah, there are a lot of players still left in this season that shoot themselves in the foot constantly. And when you have a season full of those players, you you cannot predict accurately. That said, I think we 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 have a pretty good uh pretty good read on it. Um if you're placing your bets right now, folks, and you you tuned in um to listen to our accurate picks here, you can go ahead and lock in that Denise um whatever the odds are, just go ahead and lock it in. And lock in the Sophie for the winner pick. Illegally, Ben and Caleb and Travel Talk are not liable for any losings you might have as a result <laughs> of this pick. Um But winnings, we want our share. <laughs> hey, hey, Kobe Bryant. He's still the Mamba, and he missed a lot of shots. So I'm not saying we're the Kobe Bryant of Survivor. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but, but... we might be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's call it. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We love talking to you all every single week. And stay safe, stay home, and stay healthy. We'll catch you all next time. Yeah, catch you all later.